This is Daniel Fagell, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. We have more downloads than ever on the show, and we're learning more and more all the time about our listeners and subscribers as we've started to work hands-on with folks in our Catalyst program. We're continuing to run polls to different segments of our audience and learning more about you. One thing that we know is that whether you are an external consultant or whether you are an internal AI champion, being able to convey the value of machine learning, despite the upfront investment that it often takes, is a real hurdle. Being able to get the C-suite leadership to make the necessary investments and not just playing at the surface and running a little sandbox project, but truly deploying AI is a challenge. And in this episode, we talk about a founder who's had to learn a lot of hard lessons about how to convey the value of AI in financial services specifically, and has done a great job of being able to grow a company in that space. Derek Wang is the CEO and founder of Stratified. Stratified has raised tens of millions of dollars uh, to bring advanced analytics and artificial intelligence into the financial services space. They work in a variety of different use cases. We do not talk as much about use cases in this episode. Every Thursday, as you're well aware, we talk about making the business case. And there's nothing more straight to the point about making the business case than how to get financial services firms to say yes to AI. That is the topic of this episode, and Derek uh, really plays ball with us in terms of some of the hard lessons he's learned about being able to communicate and deliver value in a way that's going to get the C-suite to approve, get leadership to approve, and move projects forward. Whether you're a consultant or an internal champion, these are the skills that people don't talk about that we like to cover here at Emerge, and we're glad to have Derek share some of his best insights here. If you're just getting started with artificial intelligence in your organization, speaking of kind of adopting artificial intelligence, check out our Beginning with AI. AI guide. These are three critical insights for non-technical professionals. So if you don't write code, these are three great initial skills and understandings to sort of bring you up to speed and get you in a better place to be able to adopt and deploy artificial intelligence. Ask the right questions, avoid common errors, even without technical skills, being able to add value to those projects. You can download that at emerj.com slash B-E-G-1. That's B-E-G like beginning. EMERJ.com slash BEG and then the number one to download our beginning with AI guide for non-technical professionals. I admonish you to check it out. Without further ado, let's fly into this episode. This is Derek Wang of Stratified here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Derek, uh, in this episode, I want to fly into what it takes to make the business case. You guys have some significant traction now. You've raised a significant amount of funds. You've got a good focus on financial services, which in my opinion is you know an awesome market for AI. When it comes to getting the C-suite to understand and say yes to something like AI, which admittedly is a little different than you know plug and play software, what is really involved in building that business case? What are the pieces and parts? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing that we have learned, and I've been in this for uh, over a decade now, is bring your ears, right? Fundamentally, AI is not the main actor here. The main actor in this show are the business owners of the C-suite. You want to come in and listen to their problems and challenges, right? For example, as we're working with a large bank, one of their challenges is because the market pressure, they have to drop their CD rates, right? That's where the, that's a, one of the major things. Nobody likes to hear this bad news, right? No consumers like to hear about it. However, that's a reality. But the best thing you can do is come up with a communication strategy. That's part of the C-Sway come to us and say, hey, guys, listen, if you can prove this, then you're good with me. Okay, it's a very tasking ask, right? Now, with that listening is because fundamentally, as I mentioned earlier in the previous episode, we are human-generated data. 
and actually across different omni-channel. So we actually help them to connect to their audio files, call center, their online chat, their survey, their email, multiple channels come in to rapidly leveraging the AI to expose what are the hidden signals that they, they are not aware of once they start releasing the CD rate drop email. So we can prove to them, here are the signals, your high net worth, high value customer demands a more personal explanation from the executive team that they didn't know, they wasn't accounted for. And also more frankly is their traditional way of looking at high net worth, high value customer based on our expert inputs to that is outdated because they only look at the deposit asset in their bank. They didn't think about the asset that they have allocated in other area, which they already have the data. So we help them to marry those together, broaden their scope of what their definition of that. And then they come up with a communication strategy to reach directly out to them, even with the portion of people who didn't give that feedback to them. This is number one. Secondarily, they use us to run A-B testing on their go-to-market, on their knowledge center to improve what are the questions that they didn't anticipate with this job the customer is going to ask, and then propagate that in real time on a daily basis to their frontline, their call center. As you know, and your audience know, that's a call center with all equipped knowledge is going to reduce a lot of the minutes and hours that they need to answer calls and also redirect potential customers more like myself who are digitally enabled, go on a website, go on an area that they can start seeing it. I think to your overall, as with this example, you need to hear what they want to solve and then really prove to them how multiple data could be the indicator of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, AI is is never, uh, like you said, in the driving seat. Uh, that's a good way to frame it. Toy AI applications, I think, uh, were already going out of style pre-COVID. I think they're only going to go more out of style as people get a little bit smarter in the C-suite and as people are a little bit more, uh, I guess, pinched Savvy. in terms of their wallet. Yeah, so there's savviness and there's also economic constraints, I think, that make exactly. play around projects not as, as interesting. But in, in terms of making that business case, you mentioned sort of, hey, we can show folks, you marry these two kinds of data together, we can come up with new insights that are going to allow us to retain these customers, you know, offer different products to these customers in better ways, et cetera. In terms of the, the business case process, because that might be a new idea for them, you know, combining data sources, the way that they're used to buying software is just, you know, I plug something in, I integrate the APIs, and then I just click the buttons that are in the screen, that's fine. This is a little bit different. Is some kind of a, a sandbox project almost always going to be part of that? In other words, you have to come in, you have to carve out chunks of data that are safe and no one's worried about it, and, and then be able to show, look, within this model, here's some insights already off the bat. Imagine if this was a little bit bigger. Is that is that an almost inevitable part of the business case for AI with you guys? Or Not necessarily, right? I, I think you're, you're describing that's a general uh, belief in that. I, I, really, at the end of the day, is how focused is your go-to-market team? Right. If you are having a AI and say, hey, this can solve everything, and I'm talking two, three different departments at the same time, yeah, of course, you need to do a lot of customized process. But in our uh, humble belief, AI is augmented intelligence. So we're coming of saying, hey, I'm not giving you a new case. Case I just illustrated is not new. They have that problem before. It's how we can help you do it better. Apples or apples, you can see how efficient, how quickly how much that return you can get in a day or two versus six months. That's where the buying power, ultimately, you use AI to solve two things. 
One, time, right? Everybody want to be more efficiency, time in the shorter. Secondarily is the budget. Because if you don't you, if you deliver AI product that is still millions of millions and customization dollar amount, you are losing on the starting point. Where we have is fully productize all this and it's operationally abled so that not only we can deliver to you rapid fast, but also we're delivering to you at a budget that you are like to see. That's a lot of winning formulas to your exact point, combined time plus budget. That's how AI should be. Yeah, yeah. I, and I guess, but you know, even, even thinking through what you're mentioning, sort of if you're way too broad, then yeah, you're going to have to be very tailored and customized. But even if we're pretty targeted, like, all right, hey, C-suite, you said that preventing churn for your, whatever it is, your commercial banking customers is your biggest problem right now that you really think that you know uh, you need to be focusing on. You know we believe that you know here's a way that we can combine data and here's a way that that we can provide we can augment this process so that you guys can get to that goal. Even then, they might they might sort of not really know like well, well what does it look like for what kind of access of, to what kind of data do you actually have to get from us and how many in house experts do I need? And of course, as a vendor company, you know you're liable to say oh you need none. But of course, you know we need we probably need some skills in in yeah. in, in in the uh, the client company. The complete vendor reliance is, is sort of unrealistic. So it still feels like it's it's a bit of a of a new thing. What what percentage of the time for you folks are we going to have to model out the little the little <laughs> sandbox of like look you want this result we're saying you know these data together we're going to be able to help augment that for you how often is it that some kind of a display of that is part of the process of making our way into a company yeah that's a spot on and uh, you're you're absolutely right so a couple of numbers I want to throw out and see if this resonates to you and your audience go for it so during the past two months our paid user number quadrupled in terms of usage of the platform. The data volume going to our platform is eight times than uh, before COVID, before everybody fully um, went into digital. It's not necessarily mean anything else. The point I'm trying to make here is you make a platform easy to use, you're expecting users start jumping on it and leveraging that. So that's number one thing. But you spot it really up on the point where there's a two sales motions. One, if you're going in as a replacement sale, act easier, right? Hey, here's your need. We're better. We're yeah, faster, yeah, stronger, yeah. cheaper, okay. whatever. Yeah. Secondarily, to your point is, hey, I'll give you an example. If this is a nuance, depends on the company's maturity and their experience about this. Yes, customized process requires is required in that process. However, why we're winning in this is because product. At the end of the day, is product. Give you an example. U.S. number one and or number two telco company come into us and say, hey, we got significant churn in one of our subscription, TV subscriptions. I want to figure out what's going on. Their data scientist team was involved in there and literally said, give us six months, seven months. We will get this delivered internally. We'll give you a model. We proved that case in one week with four terabytes of their audio file. We're just coming and say, hey, give us your audio file. We'll show you something. Because yeah. fundamentally, we believe is there is insights and actionable data points that are already in your organization. And you don't need eight months to get this. So immediately, that jumps to the executive who are all the way up top is to say time and budget. Yeah. So. And of course, you know, we, we can't miraculously solve every problem in a week, but every now and again, you'll have a big win. And, and it sounds like what you're saying is sometimes that proof of like, look, hand us some stuff, 
we're going to show you what this can do. Sometimes that's going to let them say, okay, we need to work with these people. Like clearly we gave them some audio files and look at how much value we have. Okay, we need to work with these people. It's all about value. You're yep. right. And, and that's the kind of last question here, Derek, is around, around value. Um, artificial intelligence is shifting a lot of processes. You know, it's changing analytics, it's changing marketing, it's changing you know, fraud detection and, and all these different aspects of financial services. And the return on investment of AI sometimes is nice and short and, you know, financial, but sometimes it's, it's a gradual kind of maturing and upgrading that really is going to tie a lot more to strategic value. And we can't necessarily put, you know, oh, I'll make you 20% more money within 18 months, right? We don't know because we haven't experimented with the data. We haven't had to try to integrate with your systems to train your team, right? The guarantees there are a little bit tough. How do you like to think about presenting the return on investment in both those measurable financial terms and then also in strategic terms to have people really understand, look, this is not always going to be push button easy, but it's still worth it. You know, what, what do you do there in that conversation? You're really, really spot on. Our vision as a company is to enable everyone with regardless of your skill set, economic background, the ability to tell the data story, leveraging our platform. So what we have seen and value proposition to the organization is not so much so grand of saying, oh, yeah, we're coming in to make you jump 60 cents beat the street estimate. What we come in is, hey, for your entire team of voice of customer, what we are here is to augment their efficiency, where operationalized their capability is 20 people before you can handle 100 users, so to speak. It should be yeah, yeah, more sure, than sure. that. Yep, yep. But now with Stratify, 20 people right now can handle entire data stream, entire your user base with our augmented AI that is deploying this. And then with this department, we're going to unlock your marketing department. Similarly, we measure down to individual performance. We measure down to individual user that we're helping them to do more, more precise and more unbiased. That's the key more unbiased data-driven on the individual level. And for every organization, it's easier for them to know, hey, if my individual employee has 20% more productivity, how much will that translate into bottom line saving and top line? Those are the things we, I mean, companies try to bust our hats around saying, we can give you a top line growth. It's hard. Like it's, hard your top line growth has, it's hard to guarantee It's hard to guarantee You can't. No, you right? can't. You can't of course. Even it's, it's unrealistic, yeah. Yeah, so we're more focusing on what our product is truly delivering, and that's where our value proposition will shine on aggregated level. Okay, so, so you look at the things that you can measure, and I can imagine, Derek, tell me if I'm wrong, you probably have to work with a couple call centers to eventually dial in on, okay, look, here are the needles we can move. We should, we should not say that we're measuring success on this because nobody has ever reported on that historically, so we can't present improvement. Or, you know, well, we thought we could measure this, but that's not the same team to team and type of rep to type of rep, and that was the wrong move to use as our yardstick. So you probably have to work with a couple teams to say, okay, here's what individual performance is. You know, it's whatever, number of calls handled within a day, and it's general customer rating after the calls or something. Maybe you use a couple barometers. Did it take you a little bit to figure out what those measurable metrics really were that you wanted to tie to? You absolutely should, and we do, right? So quite frankly, is if we are not uh, going on and say we can solve world hunger, we cannot. <laughs> AI is portrayed in that way. That's not the right portrayal of AI. 
nor is a right portrayal of company. So you have to know at early stage, what is precisely the needle you're you're moving, right? Yeah. That requires a couple of iteration. And as I mentioned earlier, that also requires you bring industry experts onto your team of looking at your model consistency of saying, okay, here are the things I know you Stratify can come in and help. Let's go from there, right? Let's bring piece by piece, building block by building block to solve those problems and expand the reach as we're ever growing. And um, you're absolutely spot on. There's no, we are focusing on the areas that we're good at and also involving partners, right? Because we are providing AI blueprint and building block. They may see things we don't even know that can solve. For example, first call resolution. That's not some models we know how to build. We got partner come in and say, hey, let's build this and let's go to market with an energy company and make a transaction over there. That's how a company like ours can thrive through maintaining a very broad and open door for other partners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, as you mentioned, you kind of have to be able to calibrate what are those things we're going to measure when you sort of go in the per per use case on some level. So I think that's useful in terms of thinking about what probably other companies like you are going to go through and also what the buyers, or some of our listeners who are on the enterprise side, they're going to have to probably go through those same wavelengths as they decide on firms that they're going to work with. Derek, I appreciate you being able to join us again on the show here for an episode on making the business case. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dan. Glad to be here. So that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening in. If you like finance, if you're interested in how AI is transforming financial services, Derek's company works an awful lot in that space. And obviously we cover banking, insurance, wealth management a lot here on the show. We have an entire separate podcast for only financial services AI use cases. If you want to know what's new, what's cutting edge, what's breaking into insurance, what's changing the way banking workflows are operating, then check out our AI and financial services podcast. You can go to Apple Podcasts and search for that term there. Or you can go to SoundCloud or Spotify and you can find the AI and Financial Services podcast. Again, if you're interested in more use cases, please do give that a check. And I think you'll enjoy those episodes as well. They're much more use case focused and they're explicitly focused on finance. Anywho, that is all for this episode. Speaking of use cases, we're going to be getting right back into them on Tuesday. We're going to be talking about the overhaul of brick and mortar retail. How are the corner stores going to change and the big box retailers going to change in the era of AI? Well, you're going to have to find out on Tuesday. So I look forward to catching you then here on the AI and Business Podcast. 